live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, episode 90. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by one of the brightest young stars in all of MLS. He was just named to the coveted 22 under 22 list and earlier this season was awarded a week 16 team of the week selection by way of Casa Grande, Arizona, product of the RSL and Barcelona Academy, former LAFC midfielder and the current Duke of Magic City, Inter Miami's Bryce Duke. Bryce, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course, Bryce. How are you doing tonight, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Just chilling, getting ready for the game tomorrow. So um, it's a big one, and I'm super excited for it. When and you're in. Miami fans, stick around throughout this entire podcast. We will touch on that Florida Derby at the very end of this show, so stick around for that. But on today's episode, Bryce and I will be discussing the importance of the upcoming Florida Derby, his move from LAFC to enter Miami, his success under Phil Neville, Gonzalo Iguain's an influence, plus so much more. But let's start this episode out with a few fun questions so fans can get to know you off the pitch. Bryce, you ready? Ready. All right. I had to dub you the Duke of Magic City because Mr. 305 was already taken by international artist Pitbull. With that being said, Bryce, what's your favorite Pitbull song? It's a good question. Um, I'd probably have to go, let's go Time of Our Lives. Okay, that's, like that's a good a one. That's a solid pick. Yeah, he's got a bunch of anthems. That's a good one. That's the top yeah. one on Apple Music right now. Are you on Apple Music? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, who is your favorite soccer player of all time? Um, I'm going to go Andreas Iniesta. Mm, classy. Yeah. Favorite post-game or cheat day meal? Meal. Okay, so after a after game, I don't really eat because, like, I just don't have the feeling, but after every game, I crave like a nice cold Coke. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. That's the only time because I don't I don't drink soda. Um, like other than that, that's the only time that I'm craving a soda. Okay. So that would probably be my cheat, or just back on the West Coast, maybe maybe an In and Out In and Out Burger. When you aren't training or playing, what are some of your favorite things to do in your free time? Probably, um, I've been reading, I've been reading lately. I'm reading a book called, uh, Atomic Habits. Instead of school, I'm trying to like keep busy with doing some things proactively outside of soccer, trying to come up with some things that I personally enjoy doing. And, um, I'm a fan of, um, I'll keep that. Um, under under the radar as of now because it's a work in progress, but um, working on something behind the scenes. And then um, I like to just go. I live in an area called Las Olas, so it's like right by, right by. It's got a river running down through the town or city, so I kind of walk down the river, go to like a local coffee shop, um, people watch stuff like that. So I don't like to really sit in the apartment all day because I have so much time. So I try and get out and do as much as I can. So the first thing you mentioned was reading Bryce. My next question is if you were to write your own autobiography, what would you title it and why? This is actually funny. So, um, 
we have a masseuse. Her name's Kika. And her, me and Kika always are talking about whatever you can think of. And so not too long ago, she also brought up the idea of me writing a book. And she also asked what like I would name it. And we came up with advice with Bryce. Ooh, it's got a nice ring to it. Right? It does. So, I like so that. that's 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 probably what I would I would title it. Advice with Bryce. Very cool. So before we get into your career so far, let's take it back to where it all started for you. Bryce, what made you fall in love with the beautiful game? Why soccer? To be honest, I don't have a, a definitive answer. Um, I started playing soccer when I was three. Um, dad put me in it and supposedly it just wasn't for me. I always wanted the ball, um, all of that stuff. And so when I didn't get the ball or I didn't have it, I would throw a fit. I would take it from my teammates, whatever. So then, uh, we decided to kind of drift away from soccer. So I did the classic T-ball. Um, and then I got into bike racing, BMX, just racing bicycles, um and so I did that until I was probably six six or seven did well there um second in nationals when I was that like five six years old which is I mean it's all the way back when I was that young but um and then started picking up soccer at seven and then just fell in love with the game enjoyed it um was having fun was kind of like my getaway from like okay we have school now what I want to do. And I never really got into like video games like most people are nowadays. So kind of my out with all that was soccer. So, and I just enjoyed it. Um, so then it just kind of took off from there. And then um, it kind of led me to up to this point. It's led you to a lot of places. It's taken you from Arizona to Utah, to LA, to now Miami. So let's focus on that last move from LA to enter Miami. After two seasons, just 687 minutes of playing time and multiple stints with LAFC's USL affiliate, the Las Vegas Lights, you found yourself moving across country as you were traded from LAFC to Inter Miami. Bryce, how did this move come about on your end? When did you learn of Inter Miami's interest? And as a young player looking for more minutes and opportunities, what attracted you to a move to Inter Miami? I really didn't get to say or have like a, let's just say, a real farewell or goodbye with LAFC. So where most people, if they're leaving a club, they'll announce it to the team, say their goodbyes to everybody at training and then gather all their stuff. So with me, it was more of, uh, we went into the off season, um, had end of the year meetings with, at the time, Bob Bradley, who was our coach, um, got told that um, LAFC was picking up my option. Um, so my head was, okay, I'm at LASC this upcoming or this next year. Um, and just mentally preparing for what I have to do in order to get playing time. And then obviously rumors of new coaches coming in, who's going to be the new coach, stuff like that, and how it's going to affect me. Um, and so Inter Miami really didn't come into the picture, or I, at least I didn't know of Inter Miami coming into the picture until around two or three weeks maybe beginning in December and I'm the news came official end of December so around a month and so 
was told that Inter Miami has been interested in me or has been watching me for the past year and that they're like, they really like me and stuff like that. And so then I kind of sat down and really kind of looked at everything and decided what's the best thing for me. How do I get more playing time based off with who's in front of me at LAFC and also Inter Miami, who I was being told are restarting pretty much the whole team. They're getting rid of everybody. They're starting brand new. They want to go with more of a younger group of guys. Um, so that also really interested me when I heard that. And so I basically decided I went up to LAFC and I was like, Hey, like, I think the best move for me is to kind of part ways and, uh, kind of take this journey with inter Miami and see where that goes just because I don't want to waste another year of getting a few games here and there and then playing with the affiliate Las Vegas lights. So I kind of wanted to take that next step and kind of be in that more uncomfortable environment of having to do something new. Um, so we decided to do that. And then um, the day it happened or the day that it was official, I got a phone call from Phil and basically told me how excited he is to have me and kind of the goals and what they um, expect for me to bring to the team. And yeah, so it felt like the right place and the right time for me to kind of change scenery. And so far it's, it's been great. That's awesome that you advocated for yourself for that next step in your professional development. My next question for you is about that first phone call with Phil Neville. And you talked about his expectations. Did he give you any kind of idea of the role that you would be playing with this team in year one? Um, I wouldn't say he kind of, as a player, you always try and look at the the fine line and kind of like the words some people use and see what you can kind of piece together um, from a conversation. So from what I got it, I was obviously going to be a young, young, inexperienced guy who comes into a team with other young and possibly inexperienced players. So from what I understood from the conversation was that nobody has a spot on the team. Every spot is up for grabs um, because it's a brand new team. Obviously you're going to have some of those core guys who have been there who are older, let's just call them veterans who, yeah, they probably have the upper advantage of having that spot because Phil knows them. They've been in the system, stuff like that. So basically told me to come in open-minded work hard um play your game have fun personality was a big word um and so that's what I did I came in um kind of head down focused on one goal and that was to play um and then did well preseason came in we played our first game against Columbus crew started and then next thing you know I tore my quad and I was out for seven and a half, eight weeks. So that was definitely a big, a big setback for me and kind of um, definitely the, probably the down part of this year, because that was the first major injury I've ever had and being able to kind of, or being able, not being able, but having to sit back and watch everyone train and watch everyone kind of get better and get to know each other and build that chemistry was definitely the hardest part because I just kind of felt left out where, oh, I'm just inside the gym doing exercises while I have to watch all of these guys train and play games and go travel and stuff like that. That's really good insight. It's always interesting to hear about people's rehab processes and what their mentality is like through all of that. 
So let's just rewind it back to LA real quick, and then we'll get back into Miami. I, I do want to touch on LA. I've seen your time there. Um, you know, you said you really didn't have time to say goodbye or pack up your locker and roll, whatever. Like, what were your emotions and like, you know, those goodbyes that you did have? What was that like for you personally? Yeah, I mean, it's always tough going from being with a club for two years, a pristine club like LAFC who just wants supporter shield. So being at a team like that for two years um, where they put their trust in you, they believed in you because if not, they wouldn't have signed me. Um, And so being able to just kind of go through that learning process of really knowing what it's like to be a pro at such a young age. And then for me being able to, learn how to deal with my emotions and how it affects me on the field when things don't go my way. I feel like that was a big thing for my first two years where I felt like I played good and I deserved to, let's say, start a game. And then I wouldn't start and I wouldn't play for the next four games. How that affected me mentally back in the day definitely helped me now understand on like, you can only control the things that you can control. Um, so just being able to kind of learn that part of the game at an, at a young age definitely helped me. And then also, I mean, it sucks not being able to kind of say goodbye to all those guys who I spent the first two years of my professional career with, but, um, when they came up here to play us kind of got to re re intact with all of them and kind of say what's up and catch up on small things. So it was, I mean, it was good. Um, it was a good move for me and it was a good move um for them so um just excited for the new opportunity and journey with inter miami absolutely so let's just get into that journey so in your first season with inter miami you have tripled your total starts and more than doubled your total minutes played in la in that time you have scored your first goal recorded six assists and have proved to be a pivotal part of phil neville's midfield in what ways have your strengths and phil neville's tactics aligned to allow you to be so successful in year one? I would say that um, we are a team that isn't afraid to play. We have players in the midfield and I mean, all over the pitch, but especially in my position in the midfield where we have guys who can really play the game of, of football. So we're not a team where you just kick it up and run. We actually try and play. So being able to come into a team where LAFC was like that and then enter Miami is like that, I feel like definitely helped me. Um, and then just the belief and the confidence that um, Phil, the coaching staff and the players have kind of shown me and given me definitely helped my, my progression throughout this year, because I'm pretty sure Phil, has said it in an interview before um, he probably didn't think that I was going to play this much at the beginning of the season. He thought I was going to next season, I was going to be one of the main characters or main roles on the team. Um, But I also try and prove people wrong where I might be the underdog in some situations, but um, the biggest thing is believing in your abilities and having that kind of confidence. So um confidence is a big one and for me playing with personality and having fun helps me a lot and helps me perform um and so that's what has put me into that starting spot that starting role so far so this last game against tfc you guys obviously won it keeps you guys in the playoff picture 
saw a quote from Phil Neville. He said, he's got personality, he's cheeky, and we are lucky to have that young boy. He also went on to say that he has told you he wants you to, and I quote, believe you should be on the same pitch as elite talent such as Gregory, Mota, Pazuelo, and Higuain. First, talk to me about playing, what playing with personality looks like for you. I asked you about your strengths. Elaborate on that. Does it look like you leading the team in nutmegs? Because I don't know if you know this, but you do. And secondly, how have those words of affirmation from Neville and sharing the field with world-class talent affected your confidence and mentality? Yeah, I mean, um, playing with personality, I guess you could say your nutmegs would definitely hit on that uh, cheeky side of things. Um, But for me, playing with personality is just going out there, having fun, being confident when I'm on the ball, um, not afraid to try things. There's been games where... I'm out of the starting I'm out of the starting lineup for a couple games and I come in and I start the next game and I just don't have that full confidence. And so you can tell on the field where I'm just maybe not trying plays where I should have and I'm kind of being too simple and not like being over aggressive because I feel like for me I'm one of those guys on the field similar to Pozuelo where you just try things and if they work, they work. And if they don't, then like, it doesn't really matter. It's your reaction that if you lose the ball, that's your reaction is the biggest thing. So I feel like that's a big reason on why um, Phyllis put the confidence in me because I'm not afraid to try things um, in the attacking third um, and just try and be creative. So, and then being able to play with Pozuelo and Higuain, Gregory and Mota, Um, has definitely helped me a lot because those guys teach me pretty much everything that I've done this year. Um, So, and I've done a lot of watching and researching and stuff like that on how, let's just say, Pozuelo plays because we play very similar positions. Mm -hmm. And I was told when he comes in, look, he's, he's plays similar position. He's like, this is not a time to kind of get down and be like, Oh, he's going to take my position and stuff like that. But it's a time to kind of take a step back and learn from him because he's just going to make you twice the player that you already are. And so I really took that for accountability. And um, when he first came in and I was on the bench, the first two games, I was like, okay, well now this is my time to learn from what he does differently from what I do and why he's there and I'm sitting on the bench watching him. So um, I took it more as a learning, a learning um, session. And I would then ask myself, okay, well, how do I make it to where Phil has to play both of us and not just one of us. And so um, that's been my goal ever since he's coming to the team and then having Gonzalo up there, makes everything 10 times easier because all you got to do is give him the ball and he's going to score. So um, it's just, it's not just me. It's the people that you play around with and the people that are surrounded by you that make up a player. Absolutely. And not only are you learning from a guy like Pozuelo, you're also competing with them day in and day out, a former MLS MVP, right? You're competing with that guy and he's making you better. And you're also making him better, whether you have realized that or not. But what part of your game, since you've been with Inter Miami, have you improved upon most, other than just confidence? Um, I would say being able to pick moments on really when to go and try and get that goal and be creative. And then 
when to kind of just keep it simple and keep possession of the ball and kind of move the team around. Um, because I feel like my first two years, I was always go, 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 go. Where, You're trying to impress people at that point. Exactly. Right? Where now it's at the point where you don't have to try and make 15 amazing plays to impress people. If you, for example, let's bring Iniesta in, keeps the ball all the time, and then there's one or two plays where magic happens and everyone's like, okay, well, he didn't really do anything that special the whole game, but then he picks his moment on when to do something special and when the right time is. So I feel like that's the thing that I've strengthened throughout the season. And obviously there's still more strengthening to, to be done, but um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing. So you talk about Iniesta. When I think about Iniesta, I think of that beautiful tiki taka football, right? You played for the Barcelona Academy in Arizona, and I'm sure you, you took a lot of that mentality and that style of play from there. But looking at you this year compared to your first two years, you do have that balance where you are able to just keep simple possession, work it side to side, pass it backwards if need be, but pick your moments going forward. But one thing that stands out about Iniesta that when I watch you, now that I'm thinking about it, I can make the comparison. And when I was watching this, the Toronto game on Friday, there was a moment, I believe it was in like the 46th minute, right out of halftime, and it just jumped off the screen at me, was your movement off of the ball and creating angles, both going forward and, uh, and backward, creating that angle for the backwards pass. And I think that's one thing that's, that's been most improved upon for you is just being available for your teammates and creating angles and making off-ball runs in that movement. Yeah, I would, I would 100% agree with you. Um, a big part of the game, especially in the midfield, um, and being more of an attacking player is definitely moving off the ball, which I think I have gradually increasing on how well I've been doing it. Because back in the day when I was at LAFC, Vela was teaching me that, oh, I don't have to run like crazy to open the space because you would watch Vela. And he would tell, tells me, all you literally have to do is take two steps Yep. two side supple steps to the right or to the left and you're free. So basically just working off the back shoulder of the midfielder. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, Iniesta does it. Alejandro Pozuelo does it very well. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. What's one area of weakness that you want to improve upon? Um, for me, I would probably say be – be more aggressive and not afraid to kind of get stuck in on a tackle. Um, first, I, I don't know what the reason is, but I feel like I'm just too nice when it comes to situations <laughs> like that. Um, and then also, especially being an attacking um, midfielder, score goals, shoot more. That's definitely one thing that I feel like I really need to work on is producing more goals, more shots. There was one, there was one in the Toronto game where Pozuelo played me and I turned and then I tried to slip it into mm -hmm. uh, yep. Leo Campana and I should have just taken the touch to set me up and then I should have just shot it myself just because it was such a tight space for me to make that pass and there wasn't that much room for Leo to kind of do anything with it. Um, so just opportunities that I need to realize on when to shoot and when to pass um, and then just production of goals because we have Gonzalo who's thankfully scoring a lot of goals. Um, but like I said in the past, we need 
more people to contribute just so it makes it easier on everybody. You talk about taking shots. We don't see a lot of shots from Bryce Duke. You scored one career goal, right? It was, it was a good goal, right? I'll give you credit where credit's due, but it was kind of a tap in. What are you, what yeah. are shots like in practice, man? Are you banging them past uh, Drake calendar or what? Uh, depends on the day. I mean, like I said, I do like hundred percent shoot more in training and a hundred percent score more goals in training than I do in the games. Um, are you like but, power, power uh, or finesse? Um, a little bit of both. It all depends on what the yeah, keeper's doing. Of course. So all those things we just talked about, your strengths, your style of play, personality, mentality, and year one for Miami earned you a spot on this year's coveted 22 under 22 list that highlights the top young talent in all of MLS. We talked about opportunity being a contributing factor to making the move to Miami, and you've taken full advantage of it, and people are noticing. What does it mean to you personally to be a part of that 22 under 22 list of top young talent in this league? Yeah, I mean, it's always a great um, thing to see people kind of recognizing uh, the work that I've been putting in and um, contributions that I've been putting in for the team and how I've been helping and stuff like that. Uh, do I wish I was higher in the list? Yeah, of course. Um but it is what it is. I'm just I'm blessed and thankful to make the list because not a lot of people do it. And there's a lot of good, lot of good players that are under 22 in this league now. Um, and just to be able to be recognized as that, it it goes uh, it goes a long way. So um, just a, a very appreciative of it. So let me ask you this: MLS has gone through different phases, right? At one point, it was a retirement league. And you're playing with a couple older guys, but there's also a lot of young talent, as you can see with this 22 under 22 list. And the talent keeps getting younger and younger. We got 15, 16, 17-year-old guys signing MLS contracts. Where is MLS at right now? And what does this movement of the homegrowns and the, the younger players getting more minutes, what does that mean for this league? Yeah, it means uh, it means that the league is developing. It means the league is heading in the right direction. Um, so it's not just a league where you have guys come in from Europe and just like decide to retire because it's easy and think they can just kind of take the easy way out. Um, you have guys from young, younger guys from South America who are coming in. Um, it's becoming a very attractive league around the world. And that's the goal for everyone because especially for us players, if it's becoming a more attractive league and you're getting all these accolades and you're playing well for a team that's doing well, that just means there's more eyes on you. So um, in general, I mean, everyone, every player has a different route, whether they go to college and then they go pro or they sign, they sign straight pro at a young age. Um, either way, if you can get into a league, um, go for it because the for me the earlier you start the better um i decided that i wanted to start my career at 18 rather than maybe go to college and then be a rookie at 23 um just because i felt like i really wanted to kind of mature and have that experience at an earlier age so where i can be at the peak of my performance when I'm 25 to 30 instead of kind of hitting it later um, and just be acclimated to the whole professional setting. Um, 
but yeah, the league is heading in a great direction and um, I just don't see anything stopping it from there. So it's only going to get better. So we got you a young guy, third year in the league, right? Homegrown. And you just played against Toronto FC against the likes of Bernadeschi and Signe and Crescito. And I want to ask about a moment at halftime. Uh-huh. Uh, Crescito came over to you right before you guys went to the tunnel and was the Insigne bust up, little scuffle, whatever. What happened with Crescito? Did you say something to him to make him mad? Like, what was that about? Um, so at halftime, or right before half, Insigne kicked the ball out of bounds, and um, Gregorio went to the ref and said, hey, like, why, why is he doing that? The whistle blew. He kicked the ball into the stands. Like, you just gave me – basically, you gave me a yellow card for a soft foul, like – it's only fair if you like return the favor. Um, and so, and Sinia obviously knew what Gregorio was trying to do and went over and pushed him. And so I'm obviously not like, yes, he's a big name, but Gregorio is my teammate. So I don't really care who it is. Um, and so I pushed him and then obviously Crescito being his teammate as well, didn't like that I pushed Insigne so he came over and grabbed my shirt and started saying stuff which I couldn't really tell what he was saying because he had an accent really and it was kind of like the heat of the moment um but then I had Mark Anthony K who was my teammate at LAFC kind of separating it and stuff like that so it was just all the heat of the moment where someone pushed my player I pushed the player back in retaliation and then I got pushed so it was just a scuffle that's funny. That's just, I, I had to ask about it, Bryce. Yeah. So while you're still in the very early stages of your career with plenty of room to grow, your teammate and legend of the game, Gonzalo Iguain, announced yesterday that at the end of this season, he would be retiring from professional football. With that being said, what's your relationship like with Gonzalo? How has he helped your development, both personally and professionally? And what can you take away from playing with and being in the same locker room as that legend? Yeah, um, he's amazing. Uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, the guy is a legend of a striker, played at the best teams in the world, and then being able to share the field in his last year um, is something special. And then also being able to have a personal relationship with him where we joke around, um, laugh, talk about small things, um, stuff like that. And then just being able to kind of just being able to go up to him and not feel intimidated or whatever the case may be. And being able to go up to him and ask for help and ask for advice and stuff like that. And also being able to take advice from him where in the game he'll tell me, why are you doing this? You should be doing this. And so just being able to learn from a guy like that, um, who's played in champions leagues, world cups, played with the best players in the world, um, is truly something special and the game will miss him tremendously. Um, because for him to score 13, 12, 13 goals in his last year of his career at that age, I mean, come on. There's some guys who, at the, by the time they're retiring, they can barely move. And this guy is our starting striker, killing it. Um, and probably the biggest, the biggest year of Inter Miami's 
existence. So um, it's definitely um, sad to see him go, but also hats off to him for such a great career that he's had. He's been phenomenal, especially after Phil Neville benched him. Campagna came on and he was lighting the, you know, lighting the league on fire. And I think that lit a fire under Gonzalo. And Gonzalo was like, you know what? I'm going to show my class. And he absolutely has three straight wins for Inter Miami and three straight game winners from, for Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, that's crazy. He has you guys occupying, not just he, but you guys are occupying the final Eastern Conference playoff spot with two games remaining. The playoff scenario is pretty straightforward for you guys. Beat your bitter rivals, Orlando City, and you are in. Same goes for them. Win on Wednesday, and they are in. This is the most anticipated and pressure-packed edition of the Florida Derby and easily the biggest game in Inter-Miami's history. How are you guys preparing for this match? What's the team's mentality like, and what are the vibes like in the locker room? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this we treat these last three games, last we treat it as our last game of the season. So uh, we all have this mentality that we're going to go into this game and absolutely give it everything that we got. So um, the full 90-plus minutes, everyone's going to be running as hard as they can. And if you need a sub, so be it. We have guys coming off the bench um, that have won us the games before. So we have full confidence and in our team that no matter who plays, no matter what the situation is, that we are strong enough mentally and physically that we can come out and just do what we need to do. So um, the locker room vibes are always happy, always joking around, um, keeping the mood light, but also knowing that this is the biggest game of the season and that we have to take it seriously. So um, everyone's prepared and we're all super excited for the opportunity. Huge game. Best of luck to you, Bryce. What are your goals for the rest of the season? And what goals do you have for your career going forward? Um, rest of the season, um, definitely making playoffs. We'll start there, making playoffs, making a hell of a run in um, MLS Cup. Um, would love to win it. Would absolutely love to win it, especially for Gonzalo in his last year. Um, that would be truly something special. Um, and then individually, just help the team contribute um, goals, assists, no matter what. Even if I have to, even if the best way for the team is for me to sit on the bench, I will do it. Whatever is the bet, the team comes first, in my opinion. No matter who's playing, no matter what the scenario is, the team comes first, um, especially in this important stretch of the season. Um, and then just seeing where that takes me. End goal, obviously, is to go over and play overseas. Um, but I still, my contract, um, I'm still here for possibly another two years. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then at the end of the season, we'll just see what happens. Um, but, yeah, and end of, end of the line, my goal is to go over and play in Europe sometime soon in my career. Any final thoughts for Inter-Miami fans who are listening? Uh, let's, let's, I would say a few cuss words, but I'm not going to let's get the win tomorrow. <laughs> let's go. I know what you wanted to say, Bryce. Yep. We all do. That's <laughs> the, at least the message got through. It did. It did. 
All right, well, Bryce, thanks for hopping on MLS Gone Wild, man. That's all I got for you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a blast. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild, episode 90, featuring the Duke of Magic City, Bryce Duke. The MLS season is coming to a close, and with a win on Wednesday, Bryce and Inter-Miami can clinch the club's second playoff berth in three years. Be sure to tune into that one when you're listening to this tomorrow, which will be tonight by the time you're listening to it, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN+. Guys, you know the drill. Until next week, take care of yourselves and one another, and remember the name. Bryce Duke. Peace.